Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Ross Marconi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, a lot to get into on a Tuesday. Let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona, Jake Dicker. Uh, Grant, we would normally start with the Lakers, you know, because... Uh, why not? I uh, grew up a Lakers fan, but we'll save that for segment two, only because the hottest team in the league right now are the Los Angeles Clippers. And I don't think like either of us thought this would happen. I think you obviously hoped it would happen. I was in New York when that uh, um, trade happened and James Harden uh, made his debut with the team against the Knicks and against the Nets. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they need some time to figure it out, but I don't know if they can. Now, Grant, your thoughts on the Clippers as they are on a winning streak and are the hottest team in the league right now? Are we dreaming? Did that really just come out of your mouth? Did you really I know, right? say that? I mean, after that, uh, after that, like you said, you know, when you when they played New York and that back to back in Brooklyn and and at Madison Square Garden, you were thinking, oh my goodness, what did the Clippers do? And even after that, I mean, even after they got a couple wins under their belt, there were some disappointing losses. Uh, this is the best I've seen the Clippers play in a very long time. I mean, they're off. They just scored 151 points against a Pacers defense, which is not very good, but still putting up 150. 51 points on any defense in the league is tough to do. Uh, and that was coming after a 140 point offensive performance. And, you know, the main thing with this Clippers team was the offense. I mean, they've always been a top 10 defensive team in the league this year, even with that six game stretch of losing. So uh, it, it's, it's amazing to see them just gel as, as you know, on the fly, as I'm watching um, James Harden has just gotten back into his Houston Rockets form. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing here. And I, Maybe that isn't the biggest thing. I think the biggest thing here is that James Harden is the third scorer in the hierarchy right now, and he just put up 35 points. And it's just insane to say that James Harden is the third option on a on a team right now because Kawhi Leonard has been... I mean, he looks like the 2021 Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs that we were seeing a couple years ago, he, and he's doing it now. I mean, we're a couple years removed from his ACL surgery. We're a couple years removed from him doing amazing things in that Western Conference Finals run before he got hurt, and he just looks like the burst is there, the explosiveness is there. He's playing all defense, uh, all NBA defense still, um, and, and I think that's the biggest thing with this team is they're locked in defensively, and that just creates great opportunities on the offensive 
offensive end. Ty Lue is pulling the right strings on, you know, in terms of rotation wise and, and lineup wise. Uh, Amir Coffey has gotten minutes. He's been really good off the bench. Uh, Russell Westbrook has bought into that bench role. He now looks like a spark plug off the bench. He's not taking wild shots like we saw with the Lakers or, you know, he's not turning the ball over a lot. Yes, he still has his flaws. Nothing's perfect, but Russell Westbrook in his limited role that he has now is freaking perfect. I mean, he is fit seamlessly into that second unit and he's just brought an energy to that team that when he comes into the game, even if they stagger James Harden, if they stagger Paul George or Kawhi, he just brings a certain element to that team that they didn't really have at the beginning of the year and when they first got James Harden. So this team, while they are clicking on all, all cylinders, we got to remember, guys, that it's still December. Yeah. And this team, it's all about April. It's all about May. It's all about how they are looking going into the playoffs. And I'm sure Clipper fans out there are, are thinking the same thing is that, yes, it's it's awesome right now. Don't get me wrong. It's very awesome to see them playing this way. But that's not the end goal. The end goal, and this is what Kawhi reiterated after the game last night, is it's not about what we're doing right now. It's about what we're doing in April. And we want to be the last team standing. So, yes, it's all great and it's all flowers and roses and everything and everything looks great. But uh, I think this team, I, I'm glad that they have that mentality that, you know, there's a lot to be done still. You know, the reason that it's important, though, uh, you know, because you were saying when Ty Lue and I talked to him in New York, I mean, he was basically talking about a, a 10 game uh, you know, we need 10 games and you're listening to that and you're totally right to think this like, like we don't have 10 games because what right. happens is you, you, you stumble for 10 straight games or uh, and you lose, you go on this losing streak and then now you're fighting for a play in spot uh, with the run that they've had that that may not be the case. Jake, as you're watching this team again, I think a lot of people were taking a victory lap saying James Harden's washed. Nobody wants him. Uh, the Clippers were crazy to trade for him. Again, we have a long way to go, but we are now seeing what they had hoped this could be. Yeah, I mean, first, I think you need to stop having Grant and I on at the same time because the other day <laughs> I the Dodgers and he said that I was just saying what he was thinking and then he just went on and said exactly what I was thinking. Um, but, you know, I mean, the thing about this Clippers team, especially with, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, is it's always been if they can stay healthy, right? That's always been the big question is if they can stay healthy, how good can this team be? And they're staying healthy, and they added James Harden, who Grant mentioned as a third option, is pretty ridiculous, right? And then you have Russell Westbrook buying into his bench role. You have Norman Powell shooting, I think, 44% from three. Vika Zubac is 12-9. and nine. I mean, everybody's buying in in, what is it now, nine in a row, I think? Like, we're seeing every single cog in this machine hitting on all cylinders at the same time. And yes, it's December, but they've shown that they can do it. And I don't see any reason why, you know, you put those three on the floor at the same time in a playoff series. Like those, those guys can be any team four out of seven. Like that's the way I feel about the Lakers too, is they get, they get into the playoffs. You put LeBron and AD on the floor. I'll yeah. take my chances with those three. If they're all playing the way that they've been playing, I don't see any reason why they can't make noise. Grant, what, what do you want to see from the Clippers moving forward? Again, you touched on it. It is the December. But that being said, I mean, you know, if, if we were having this conversation a month ago, I mean, we I did not think that this was possible. Is there something that you want to see from this team? Do you like what you're seeing? I mean, what, what, what needs to maybe tweak or change? 
Yeah, of, of course, there, there's always room for improvement, right? There's always room for, you know, things to get better. They're, they're still 16 and 10. Let's get that straight. They're not, you know, it's not like they're 17 and 0 or they're not 20 and, and 8. This team is still 16 and 10 and they're still barely in the playoff standings right, out, right inside the play-in. So um, it was due to that six-game stretch. But if I were looking at things that they could improve, they still need size. If you're going to match up with teams like the Lakers, like the Nuggets, they still still need another four they need another guy that with size to maybe go up against a LeBron or an Anthony Davis and I know Kawhi and Paul George have been doing an adequate job at that they've been actually pretty good on both ends of the floor but it could wear down on them they're playing high minutes right now and they're, they're they have to because they traded away Marcus Morris and Robert Covington and Nico Batum so that you, know, you kind of force the hand of the Clippers coaching staff to say okay well now you're gonna have to have Kawhi and Paul George play excellent minutes on both ends of the floor so yes it's working right now it may be detrimental down the road which is why you could probably go out around the trade deadline the Clippers are always active like the Lakers around the trade deadline to go get another big or to go get a point guard they don't need a point guard anymore so they're going to look for for a four or a five um, that, that's something that's going to pay dividends in the playoffs not just that but number two and this is the biggest thing is do not take your foot off the pedal yeah. I know this is an eight game winning streak I know that they're on a roll right now but for a team that has faltered in years past and has let their foot off the pedal in the regular season if you do that at all in this loaded western conference you're gonna like i said you're gonna find yourself in that plane again there's a lot of good teams above you and there's a lot of good teams behind you in this in the standing so keep the locked in mentality keep the focus if you let off your pedal and go on a three-game losing streak look they have the mavericks they have the thunder and they have the celtics before christmas that is not easy at all and two of them are on the road so their schedule's not easy. They have one of the hardest remaining schedules left. So it's not going to be easy in, in any terms, but they just have to keep this locked in mentality and the focus, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end. They got to stay a top 10 defensive rated team. Me and Brian have always said this. Every champion for the past, I don't know how many years, has been a top 12 de- defensive rated team. And because defense wins championships. So they have to keep that mentality. Switching gears to football. And before I loop in, uh, Jay Grant, you uh, have a great column in the Sporting Tribune, right? Right now about the Rams again you know we kind of we, we began the season wondering are they going to take for Caleb Williams what kind of season could this be right now they control their playoff destiny last night's game um if if you're a Rams fan like listen like let's get all those seven and seven teams out of the way so Seattle loses again if the Rams win out they're in the postseason which again I, I don't think a lot of people thought that they could be that you were at the game at SoFi Stadium against Washington your thoughts on what you've seen from this team. Yeah, it's just a complete 180 after the bye. I mean, they uh, before the bye week, they were 3-6, and six, and it looked like, oh, well, everyone's going to tank. They're going to sit everybody, and it's time for Caleb Williams. But, you know, with Sean McVay and this coaching staff, the, the, the thing all year with them has been just resurgence. It's been never giving up, never backing down. They know that they have the talent in that locker room to get things done and get wins. I've always said that this team can compete with anybody in, in football, and I mean anybody, and especially with the Eagles playing the way they are, the Niners, they the the Rams have matched up pretty well with the Niners. Actually, they almost yeah. beat them when they played them in Week Two. So, and obviously the Cowboys blew the Rams out. That was when Matthew Stafford was 
banged up a little bit, and that was when the Rams were going through a bad stretch. But if this Rams team can get to the playoffs and play a team like Detroit, if it's a 3-6 matchup, which the Rams do have to get in first. I'm not going to say that it's a, a shoe-in, but if this Rams team can get in and play a team like the Lions, Matthew Stafford back in Detroit in a 6-3 matchup indoors, you won't have to be outdoors. It's going to be in a dome. So that, I think, benefits the Rams. They could make an upset then. They're not going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. But this team can maybe steal a game from the Lions. If they play the Eagles or the Niners, I don't see them winning because you're going to be in a cold environment or you're going to be in Santa Santa Clara. So it's not going to be easy, but this team has the ability. They have to to beat the Saints. They have to beat the Giants, and they have to beat the Niners. If they win out, like you said, Arash, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go into Detroit and upset a Lions team if they do get that sixth seed, but they have to stay healthy. The line has to keep it up. The defense has to stop giving up big plays. And if they do that, I mean, there's no reason why this team can't win a game in the first round of the playoffs. And by the way, when you look at the way that the Cowboys matched up with San Francisco, the way Philadelphia matched up with San Francisco, I, it, it, this probably goes to the fact that they are a divisional rival. The Rams and the 49ers have normally been a very closely contested contest. We'll see how that last game of the season goes. Jake, you had a great uh, text in the group chat where, uh, the Rams have gone to Green Bay twice, and you've not gotten them at full strength. You got the back of <laughs> yeah, quarterback. Sucks. <laughs> I got I got Baker. I got Baker last year, and and uh, and Ripon. Ripon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your thoughts yeah, on them, I mean, though? I mean, it looks like they have turned the corner here. Yeah, I mean, kind of just to echo what Grant said per usual, like post bye week, it's been a complete 180. Like I've been so set on the week seven loss, the home loss to Pittsburgh, which I mean, just absolutely kills having a touchdown lead going into the fourth quarter. Like it'd be so nice to have a little bit of breathing room. That being said, I mean, this game against against New Orleans on Thursday essentially is is the playoff spot, right? Like, yep. I mean, assuming that the MetLife turf doesn't take anyone off the field in Week 17, I mean, Kyron Williams has been a breath of fresh air. Um, I mean, he's looked like a stud the last two weeks. Cooper Cup finally is is you know after his four week stretches is, is back to form. It, it doesn't. I, I don't think this team is going to make a, a playoff run like Grant said. Like, I mean, a, a game here, sure. I mean, I think, I wouldn't say this if Brandon was on right now, but I think we'd be fooling ourselves if we thought it was the four, it was anything other than the 49ers and everybody else. I think yeah. the 49ers are just so, in the NFC at least, so much higher above the uh, above the rest of the league. I mean, the Eagles, the Eagles point differentials with like between like 15 and 20 now. I mean, they're not, it, it, there's definitely yeah. weakness in that, in that team's game. But the Rams, I mean, McVay's, McVay's gritty, right? He's going to find ways to win games. I know the end of the game against Washington was not pretty by any means, um, giving up two late touchdowns. Um, the block extra point, I think, saved the spread and the under. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, I don't, like, like Grant said, I don't see them making a playoff push, but they're definitely a team that could go into Detroit and, and steal that game. I would love to see Stafford playing in Detroit. Are you kidding me? Him going back there, and, and if they were to win that game, no, oh, wow. I mean, we would be hearing about that for a long time. But I mean, I love Matthew Stafford. I love that he. I mean, he gets hit and he gets up and he just starts throwing his hands out. First down, this first down that. <laughs> like he is, he is exactly what the Rams need at this point in time. I know I, there was a point this year where I was saying tank for Caleb because there's a first round pick for the first time in forever. Um, but I mean, it's all about getting in, right? I mean, I've seen crazier things. If you get in, you get to the dance. Anything can happen. So. Is if they take care of business on Thursday, go into MetLife, take care of the Giants and Tommy Cutlets, um, you know, week 18 to week 18. But we'll see what happens there. 
All right, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time last week talking about, obviously, the big Shohei Otani signing for the Dodgers. Uh, you guys have been really opinionated about the trade the Dodgers made, and really they were uh, pursuing this trade as uh, Shohei was being signed. In fact, Shohei uh, reportedly recorded uh, a, a, a note to Tyler Glass now. Uh, talk about the trade. Jake, maybe we'll just start with you. Um, you guys both have strong feelings about this. Obviously, it gives the Dodgers a very good starting pitcher, but you have to give up something to get something. Uh, Jake, what's yeah. your, your thoughts on the, the deal? I, I, my thoughts on the deal have definitely changed since my since my initial thoughts. Um, I last now sat down and did an interview. I don't know. I don't know exactly when it was recorded, but he was talking about his arm and basically said that the injury he suffered in 2019 was the same injury he suffered in 2020 and 2021. That he just never had the surgery to fix that injury. That basically he would go 13, 14 starts a year, and then his elbow would start to flare up. And had finally had the surgery, came back last year and, you know, threw 120 great innings for the Rays. I know that that's his career high and a lot of people are focused on that number where how are we paying a guy more in terms of millions of dollars than innings, his career high innings in a season. Um, but I mean, he, you, you got to talk about power pitchers in this league. Like that's the way that, you know, people are winning championships and, and he, when he's on and he's healthy, he is I, I mean, he's definitely a top 10 pitcher in the league. I would even consider talking about top five. So if he can, if he can stay healthy with the extension, I love it. I don't love giving up Ryan Pepio considering after you give a guy $700 million, lots of years of cheap control is kind of exactly what you need. And Pepio's first arbitration year is until 2026. I don't, I mean, Manuel, Manuel Margot, I don't know if we're going to get anything out of him. I would not be surprised if he was DFA'd at any point in the year. Um, I don't necessarily love including Johnny DeLuca in the deal. That just kind of seems like a wash. But with the extension, if Glass now can stay healthy and if what he said where he thinks his arm issue is, you know, kind of under control and he's feeling really good about things, then I love the deal. Um, so, I mean, especially, I mean, they need to add another arm. That rotation needed a lot of help. And you're telling me going and going into next year, I, I mean, Glass now over Pepio is, is a huge, huge jump. So with the extension locked into place, I, I have com- kind of changed the way that I feel about this deal, given that I wasn't too high on it when it uh, when it occurred. And Grant, your thoughts? Yeah, it's just uh, like like Jake said. I think the whole thing about this was the injury concern, right? But now that we've kind of gotten a little bit more of a backstory of what happened and what kinds of surgery he had, he didn't even really tear his ACL when he got the Tommy John. It was just dislodged, and then he had the Tommy John to kind of just as a safety net. And now he's healthy as ever, and he says he feels healthy as ever. Ever, and look at his innings. He pitched pitched a lot of innings after that. So. For the Dodgers, yes, you give up Ryan Pepio. And initially, I was like, ah, I've given up Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca. Ryan Pepio, he had a great, refreshing year last year after having a pretty bad one in 2022, not really getting a lot of opportunities. Last year, he really showed a lot of signs of dominance, actually. He had an under-two ERA for a lot of the year. So that was why a lot of Dodger fans were like, eh, maybe not. But... Like Jake said, you get the extension with it, with a guy that in Tyler Glasnow could be a top five arm. He has electric stuff, electric wipeout stuff, and he can go the distance. The Rays never really let him, but in the World Series in 2020, he was actually pretty darn good against the Dodgers. So, uh, you know, for, for a team that needs as much help as possible and for a team that's trying to win as much as possible now, Tyler Glasnow and a power arm at that is perfect for this team. And look, he's a local kid. He's from Santa Clarita. He's loved the Dodgers. 
Dodgers growing up. So it's just a, a match made in heaven, honestly, there already. Um, and look, he's not even old either. He's kind of in the prime of his career where he can work things out. I'm not going to count out the Dodgers when it comes to turning pitchers into great arms. They do that all the time and keeping them healthy too. I know they've had a lot of bad injury luck, you know, lately, but when these guys are healthy, the Dodgers are one of the best at turning good arms into great and great arms into elite. So, I mean, it, they do need a lot more help. Like Jake said, it's not just going to be Glasnow and then they're done. They should, they're still in on Yamamoto, who expects to make his decision soon. And maybe they're going to go after another guy like Dylan Seed. I don't see that happening because they already made the big trade. But uh, yeah, this this rotation, they're, they're starting to piece it together. And then with Glasnow and you're going to get Bueller back, um, you know, it, it's starting to take a little bit of a place here. Uh, we only have one minute left. Uh Yamamoto, I mean, just because everything's gone the, the Dodgers' way this offseason, um, how disappointing would it be if they don't get him? Really quick, Jake and Grant, if you can give your quick thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, I think being disappointed in anything after the Otani signing <laughs> is a little is being a little greedy. I mean, that being said, they have all the money in the world to spend. So, I mean, this is Yamamoto. I think the figure when it comes out is going to be a little more than people expect because I think the bidding war is just going to drive the price up. Um, but I do think I know Grant said they don't probably won't hit the trade market again. They have a lot of young guys that if they don't play them or trade them, their value tanks. So I totally could see them making another trade if they miss out on Yamamoto. I completely agree. I think Yamamoto's deal is going to be a lot more than people expect. It's going to be eight, nine years, probably 280, 300 million. That's what it looks like. I'd be so, shocked if it didn't touch three. Yeah, and this guy's in the prime of his career. It would be a great get for the Dodgers, but you know, Jake may be right. They they have a lot of assets. Maybe they do go after a Dylan C's, or maybe they sign a Giolito or Stroman, something like that to fill it back out. Yeah. Um, all right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, the Lakers hung a banner. It was banner night, despite, despite the fact that <laughs> Being before Christmas in December, I uh, know how Jake feels. I'd, I'd be curious how Grant feels. So uh wanted to save that for a segment, too. So we'll uh, leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll talk about the Lakers raising a banner before Christmas. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090s of the California, the bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and day of 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets for an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii. Call our hotline, 310-400-0340. All right, uh, we uh, teased it before going to the break, but the uh, Lakers unveiled a banner last night. 
the NBA in-season tournament banner. Um, again, it, I, from what I was told, this is not something that the Lakers uh, necessarily wanted to do. It's not something that they had planned to do, but it is something that the league um, requested, not demanded, but said, listen, we're going into a big TV rights deal. We're trying to sell this thing. We're trying to make it a thing, you know, with, with respect to having uh, champagne in the locker room and goggles and a trophy and medals and the whole nine yards. Um, so the problem that I had with this was that the Lakers historically – have never raised anything more than a world championship banner. It is something that Kobe talked about a lot. It's something that a lot of the Lakers players and coaches over the years were very proud of the fact that the only way you can get your number and jersey retired is if you were in the Hall of Fame. And the only way that you were going to get a banner raised is if you won a world championship. So no conference, no division, no best record in the league, just world championship. At the end of the season, at the end of June – you're the best team in the league. And so to have a, a banner up there for a team that if you really broke it down, guys, won seven games from November 3rd to December 9th. Um, they only played uh, two teams, I think, above 500 during that stretch. Again, for whatever, you know, you're kind of in these brackets. Uh, and let me, uh, just while I bring that up, you know, bring, you know, because the Lakers did a montage before they um, raise the banner, and normally when they raise a world championship banner, it's a really uh, it's a really exciting montage. You know, going to Game Seven against the Boston Celtics, or going to Game Seven against Tim Duncan and the Spurs. It's it's like you know you're you're looking at these moments and thinking, man, like what a journey, you know, and what a <laughs> uh, hard uh, trip it was. You know, a brutal seven game series coming back from three one. Uh, this was their journey. November 10th, they beat the four and five Suns. November 13th, they beat the two and nine Grizzlies. November 17th, they beat the three and nine Blazers. November 21st, they beat the four and 10 Jazz. December 5th, they beat the 12 and nine Suns. December 7th, they beat the 12 and 11 Pelicans. And in the championship, they beat the December, uh, on December 9th, they beat the 13 and 12 Pacers. And, um, and what has happened and since, since they beat who? Detroit and San Antonio? Well, so both of those teams. And so I tweeted this out following the game last night only because I thought this might be a thing. And I wanted to get, I mean, listen, there's, there's so many things that I want to get your guys' perspective on. But I, I said, depending on how these two teams in the final, which it's really important to know that the final does not count. It, it does not count for anything. It does not count for a win or loss. It does not count for points or assists or Whatever. I mean, if LeBron James put up 100 points that night in the official NBA record book, it wouldn't count. It, it, it was just a game to see who would win the in-season tournament. But since the final on December 9th, uh, which again, did, did not count as a game, uh, the Lakers are 15-12. and 12. They are 1-3 they, they are since the final. They are the, the eighth seed in the West and the Pacers. Even worse. I mean, they they won their first game post that tournament. They beat the terrible Detroit Pistons and lost 22 straight. They've lost four straight, so they're one and four. And they're the eighth seed since the season season tournament. And, and the reason that's significant in, in a larger point is you may have a um, in the not too distant future, teams just basically saying, Hey, like, we'll play these in-season tournament games as if they are regular season tournament games. 
But we're not trying to send our team to Vegas, and we're also not trying to play a game that does not count. And uh, again, the league is really, uh, really stressing to these teams and these coaches. Uh, you know, please treat these as significant games. And for the most part, uh, the Lakers have led the way with being good partners in terms of LeBron really being caring about these games, the team caring about these games. Okay. Long-winded way of saying, I, 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 I clearly from my tone, you can tell that I, I don't agree with this. Um, it's a little, little bit like USC for the longest time. You know, they've never played a non-Division uh, One opponent. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of like a cool thing. Like, you know, there, there, there's no reason to schedule, uh, you know, a Division Two team. So, like, you know, you, you've gone this far in life. That's a really cool thing to hang your hat on. And the Lakers have gone this far as a, as a storied franchise Hey, listen, we only hang up world championship banners. We only retire jerseys of Hall of Fame players. And that's significant because there's a lot of great players that you'd love to see up there one day. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, um, Derek Fisher, Michael Cooper, Kurt Rambis, you go down the list of like really good, like solid, like glue guys, role players, whatever. They're not up there because they're not on the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jake, let me start with you. When you first heard that they were going to do this and then again saw – the banner and again uh and grant had a great point you know they it, it was it, they said it was going to be a banner but not the same shape size or color so yes it was not that it was a unique banner but jake your thoughts yeah i mean for all the reasons you said i don't love it i mean i almost look at it as like this like the champagne celebration after you win the nlds like yeah. it's, it's obligatory. Like you don't really <laughs> want to do it. You still got to win another eight games to really get where you want to be. But it's sponsored by Budweiser, and you need you know the pushes in there. But like I don't think that this this was a Laker decision. I mean, it's there's a standard. It's like you said, if you're not in the hall, your number is not up. You know, if you are hanging world championship banners, it's the same reason that you know dogs don't retire guys' numbers unless they've made like it's there's a standard and an expectation of winning with these franchises that are based solely on championships. And I mean, Kobe was the biggest proponent of that, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it just feels weird to look up there and to see like so much history and so much greatness and just winning and championships. And then a, a banner that represents seven games in the middle of November. Like it just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. I mean, but also like the banner curse, like the Lakers losing that game was the, Freest thing ever. Nobody, nobody wins on banner night. So I guess yeah, that's the excuse. Great. That's great. actually true. Yeah, I mean, but but great. I mean, here's. I mean, the, the, I don't have a problem with another franchise doing this. And listen, like, the fact of the matter is, I mean, if the Clippers would have had this kind of a moment, I I don't. Again, they, they wouldn't have hung it at crypto to be honest, which makes this weird, mm. right? Like, like I think they would have waited, but seeing this from afar and again you knowing the significance of listen you don't hang a banner until you win the whole thing i think even you know you like the, the clippers have won two pacific divisions they've gone to the western conference finals but you're not hanging a banner until you win the whole thing and what what's your thoughts on this yeah i listen if for i think it should be by organization and I, yeah. I know that you guys have mentioned this but you know it just seems like that i've mentioned this before it just seems like the league kind of forced it on them to kind of get gather steam and, and gather momentum towards players caring about this and i mentioned this as well and jake you weren't here but they got to give more incentive to the players after the tournament yes you win the money but 
two days later, the Lakers were on a plane to Dallas and had to play a very good Mavericks team on the road. So either you give the Lakers a homestand and you give them at least a week off, and that may make scheduling a little bit tough. It's going to get a little bit tricky there, but you need to give more incentive after it because it's basically just winning another rate. And Make the game count at least. Anthony Davis had four. <laughs> right. Make the Anthony Davis had forty points and twenty rebounds, and it's not even going to count towards the season stats. It was his best yeah. game in I think two years, and it's not even going to count. So I, at least give him the stats. At least give him the win. Make the win count for at least two more games because if you're going to make them play as hard as they did in that last game, and the Lakers looked like they did in 2020 in that whole entirety of the of the tournament. If they're going to play like that, at least make the wins count a little bit more. It, you know, As a Clipper fan and as somebody that follows the Clippers a lot, of course the Clippers would put this banner up, but it's the Clippers. They haven't put many banners up in the first place, so I get it there. The Lakers have actual title banners, many of them, and many jerseys retired. And Arash, you, you tweeted, X this out, whatever you want to call it, of the video of Kobe Bryant yeah. saying, we only hang championship banners. That's what Lakers are about. We hang championship banners. And yes... It was an in-season tournament championship, but the the fact that you brought up that montage where it's only seven games, like you, I mean, just look at a postseason run. I mean, you play like yeah. a Celtics at a seven-game series in 2010, and it was hard fought, and you know there's guys sweating out there, and they were just giving it their all. That's when you give a montage, but you're gonna give a montage for a team that played, like you said, only two teams over 500. Um, yes, sure, you played great in that tournament, and yes, it was one of their best stretches in a couple years, in my opinion, of good basketball. But for a Lakers organization that's all about winning NBA titles, and that's what you guarantee a guy when they come and sign to the Lakers, is like, we're going to play for an NBA title, and we're going to try everything we can to win that title. It just, look, I mean, it's, it's not a bad look because the banner looks okay. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. It looks a little bit different, but it's just so weird to see the Lakers kind of taking, I'm not, I, I hate to say this, but taking a clipper route to this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's, here's the thing. I am not sold on the longevity of this banner. And I'll say this. And so the, the, the key to this banner is um, that they're not going to put up a new one with every uh, mid-season tournament. So they put the year there and there's room that if they win it next year and the year after that, 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 that you'll put the years. Um, so the banner going up, I, I just think it looks terrible. I think the majority of fans did not want it. I think there are now some that are like, listen, it, like it's fine. Where this banner is going to look really bad is is two things. Number one is if this team flames out, like either they lose and they don't make the playoffs, they lose in the play-in, they lose in the first round, where it's just like not a good season, and you got a banner up there for that team. That's going to look bad. The other thing is like, A, you know, like time will tell on this in-season tournament. I definitely think, it exceeded the expectations, but I think that was partly because we didn't know what to expect. There were no real, like, big expectations. Like, the majority of casual fans don't start following the league until Christmas. So if I'm telling you, yeah, we're going to be playing this, like, in-season tournament, like, it's going to start November 3rd, it'll be over by December 9th, and you're like, to be honest, half the players didn't even know, like, what was happening. <laughs> um, but if we get to a point where, like, teams are like, hey, like, let's, we're not trying to go to Vegas, right? And, uh, you know, multi-billionaires, like, own the team. So if we need to, like, incentivize the players or if we need to sit guys, like, if 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 teams uh, 
stop being good partners, for lack of a better term, and treat this like the home run derby. And you guys can kind of touch on this where it's like, hey, look what Pacers and the Lakers. Like, those were two pretty good teams. And then they, they went to Vegas and they played this game that didn't count. And their season went to the crapper afterwards. Mm-hmm. And Jake, do you foresee a scenario where teams could view this as kind of the de facto home run derby where it's like, listen, we'll, we'll play these games, but again, we, we, we would rather not go to Vegas and, you know, play a game that, that does not count. Yeah. Um, I, it, I don't, I don't get it. Like it's, it's hard to get these guys enough, like hard enough to get these guys to play in regular season games that do matter considering that half, I mean, they load management, they now are requiring teams to make sure their guys are on the floor. Um, it's just, I, especially playing a game that doesn't matter for anything. Like, I feel like guys are going to start treating it like bowl games, where they're just like, mm-hmm. well, there's no incentive for me to play in this game. Like, what's, what's five? I know for the, the guys on two ways and the guys who are, you know, 10, 11, yeah. 12 on the roster, the money makes a difference. But for guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but what's $500,000 to oh, them? True. Yeah. It, it doesn't It doesn't do anything. I saw something on Twitter that I don't remember who said it, but that they should, if you win the game, it should count as a win in your standings for your winning percentage. But if you lose the game, it shouldn't count as a loss. It will incentivize the team to win. But I don't think that does enough. I think the tournament needs, there needs to be more of a connection between winning that tournament and that giving you an edge towards winning an NBA championship. So I don't know exactly how you do that, whether it's you're guaranteed at the very least a spot in the play-in tournament or I, I don't know exactly how you do it. That's for, you know, Adam Silver and his people to decide, but that if that tournament's going to matter and is going to stick around, it needs to play a role in winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy. You know, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Grammy. I mean, the one idea that was floated that I liked, but then the more I thought about it, didn't make sense, was that if you win the in-season tournament, it guarantees you a spot in the postseason. The reason I didn't like that was that what's the incentive there? You know, like, then it's kind of like you're not I mean, you you have to play. You can't have a team that's, let's just say, a team for whatever reason. And by the way, the, the Pacers are kind of this team. The P- Pacers in non-in-season tournament games are a below 500 team. They're not very yep. good. For whatever reason, with this in-season tournament, they played like out of their minds. Um, so if, if, if you, I don't think you could have a scenario where a below 500 team knocks out a above 500 team or, you know, but, um, but Jake brings up a really good point. I mean, how do you make this count towards something more than a trophy again in December that in the big scheme of things does not matter. Yeah. And, and I, you know, Jake brings up and you bring up a great point is that if you do make the incentive that you get a play in spot or, a, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. you get a chance at a play in, doesn't that just make the players say, well, then why would I even try? Because yeah. now we have a playing spot. That would make it even worse because now the players are like, why would I try my hardest now until April when I just know that in April I'm going to get a spot anyways? So if you're one of those teams that's actually pretty bad, say like the Hornets or, you know, I, they'll probably never win one just because I'm mean, not, not never, but they won't win one anytime soon because the best teams are usually going to win one of these tournaments. Um, it just makes it less incentivized because now the players just won't won't be as integrated into the regular season as you want. And that's the whole thing with this, right guys? It, it, it was to make the players want to play in the regular season. So it, you're kind of, you're damned if you do damned, if you yeah. don't, because if you do make it more incentivized towards getting a play in spot, 
then the guys won't care. And if you lower the money or whatever it is, then they won't care anyways. So you're kind of in a tough spot. You're in a really tough spot. You're you're right in terms of saying, like, I I think a a good team is generally going to win. But when you look at who played in the finals, like I just mentioned, these are two Mm -hmm. teams that are a little bit above 500. They're the eighth seed in the, like, East and West. The Pelicans were in the semifinals. Um, so it wasn't like the best of the best. Um, and and well, so, like, I just wonder if the best teams are like, listen, we clearly want to win, but we're not going to treat this as a big deal. Right. And in fact, if we had it our way, like, we don't want our players to go to Vegas. Yeah. Know? And I wanted to mention one yeah. thing is that the Bucks and the Pelicans, who are basically like the consolation teams, yeah. they're eight and oh combined. They haven't <laughs> lost. That's amazing. So, and, and I can, I can tell you this from, you know, I, I watched every Clipper game. The Clippers did not, you know, they didn't care one bit about this in season tournament. The, during this whole in season tournament, they did not care. It just seemed like they were treating like every other regular season game but the lakers on the other hand were just playing like it was the game seven of the nba finals so maybe it's due to how the organizations treat it maybe the lakers wanted them to win it more than the clippers organization wanted it because that was right after the james harden trade they're trying to try and find their footing so maybe it's on an organization basis but i just wanted to mention that that the runner-ups no yeah but by the the in-season tournament hangover a thing it could be. Well, no, and to be honest, we only have one, you know, it's a, bit, a very small sample size. It's just this season. Yeah. But as we progress here, if this becomes a thing, you're going to have teams saying, like, we don't want to be a part of this. By the way, Bones Island had the best quote where, like, he's like, <laughs> like, like, I don't even know what's happening. Like, I, I don't understand the group stage and the knockout stage and all that. And by the way, he spoke for a lot of the fans out there. Uh, Jake, the last couple of minutes here. The Lakers are one and three since this. And um, again, like I'm not concerned, but like, do you have any concern as you watch them play post tournament win? Um, yeah, the team needs shooting. Yeah. Um, I know Torian Prince has, has been, is getting, he's getting his run. And I mean, he's been, he's been good, but he's playing more minutes than he's played in the last five years. And three of 13 from three last night in a game where he had multiple looks down the stretch that, I mean, none of which fell. Um, I, I, I hate when this team blows games and it's games that they probably shouldn't lose. And then I listen to Darvin Ham talk about how, Oh, we just have these nights, you know, like those nights happen in this league. I mean, I need, I would love to see him just like emotionally care. And it doesn't seem like he does. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say he doesn't care about the team. Obviously, he cares about the yeah. team and he wants to win. I mean, he's a competitor at heart. But, like, yell at somebody. Like, show that you're not okay with what's going on on the floor and that I can't have LeBron being the voice of reason in the huddle all the time. Like, yes, he's LeBron, that he's going to do that naturally. That's one of the things that makes him the guy that he is and has given him the career that he has. But Darvin Ham, like, wear your head coach hat and yell at these guys. Like yeah. there was there was a span in the in the fourth quarter where half the team thought they were playing a zone, half the team thought they were playing man defense, and guys were wide open all over yeah. the floor. Like that just can't happen. And I don't know if he's starting to feel a little bit of heat under his seat. Yeah, uh, Grant, real quick, a lot of quiet Laker fans. One in three, and uh, Clippers are on a winning streak real quick. Like I'm, I'm not worried for the Lakers because they still yeah. have an excellent roster, but I do not want them to fall into what I saw the Clippers do last year, where it's like, hey, we're going to have the talent at the end. Let's just slow down, slow our roll, and take it easy. Yeah. You cannot do that in a loaded Western Conference this year. Exactly. I mean, yeah, as Grant has said this multiple times, you know, these losses matter, and Jake knows this as well. 
this is the reason you'll be playing a play-in tournament game rather than playing against the uh, six seed. So uh, we'll have uh, Jake and Gr Grant back on uh, this week. That's all the time we have for today. Until next time, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.